Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right, 1 John chapter 2. <laughs> I better stay on track. I might start teasing people here. All right, you ready to learn? It's good to see everybody after you were thoroughly uh, abused last week. Oh, Lord. I got some things in here I'm going to say that the Lord gave me that are, it's going to make sense, and uh, it's just good. You know, uh, if you uh, train yourself hard enough in the gym, then on game day you won't get hurt, and that's what we're after. You know what I mean? So uh, discipleship is never uh, easy, um, but it's necessary, and if you do what you what seems to be amongst, sometimes amongst uh, uh, Pentecostals or Charismatics, whatever you want to say, those that are given to the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. In other words, we don't believe that God quit being God when the apostles died. You know, there's a whole realm of, of uh, teaching in denominations called cessationism. And what that means is that God quit doing miracles when the apostles all moved on to be with the Lord, moved on to their heavenly reward. And what they say is, this is part of their argument, there's probably more than this, but kind of the main thought of it is, is that God only did the miracles to establish the book. And once he established the canon of the book, then he quit doing miracles. And I, and I think about that sometimes, and I think, well, the greatest miracle of all these groups preach, which is salvation. So why did he quit? How did he quit doing miracles? I don't know. Anyway, sometimes people, you know, like to paint God in a picture that isn't so. But some of the greatest miracles that take place in our lives are maturity. Do you, we don't realize this, and I'll, I'll get to this point here in just a second, but sometimes people don't realize how much spiritual maturity actually uh, inoculates you to much of the enemy's attack. Like it will, spiritual maturity, people that are spiritually mature have a level of strength and faith that is very intimidating to the enemy. And you want to be that. You want to be strong spiritually. The thing about it is, and maybe I should just read a quote here uh, that the Lord gave me. Uh, we must ask ourselves, he said this to me today, do we want the pain of discipline or the pain of disobedience? Because they both have pain. Now, and you say, really? Yeah. So, like, I'm going to go back to the weight training uh, uh, example. What does weightlifting do? It makes you sore, right? It actually tears muscle. And what happens? So, you're actually injuring yourself in weight training. But it's a controlled tear, Right? Now, I know you've probably seen people injure themselves like severely in weight training, but, but what is that? It's a controlled tear, and then what happens? Your body does what? Heals, but how does it heal? Stronger than it was before. That is discipleship. Now, if, you are, if, you were, if you're like a 40-year-old uh, uh, that was a real good athlete in your 20s, or in high school, and you haven't trained at all since you got out of high school, but you still have the mind that you're that good, and then you go out and do something without training, you can actually have a, a tear or a hurt or an injury in, in playing something or doing something on game day that you probably wouldn't have had if you would have what? Kept training like you were supposed to, right? It's the same in the spirit. It's the exact same in the spirit. So when you're taught things that seem like, especially in our culture, they're so sensitive about everything. And what I've noticed is it is in the world, and of course it should be expected that it's in the world, but whether you realize it or not, it infects itself and it bleeds into the church. Uh, one of the greatest problems in the church is thinking like the world thinks. It's carnal thinking. So your mind is geared toward the course of the world and the pattern of the world. 
You handle things the way the world handles things. Have you ever noticed that after you get saved, and it's still till this day, that there's still something in your flesh that rises up when somebody does something you don't like and you want to deal with it how you used to deal with it? You know, it's like Christians drag their dead man around in a coffin and they say, uh, you know, they get into a situation they don't like and they're like, hold on just a second, and they resurrect their dead person and say, you take care of this. You know, <laughs> you know, I used to listen to, uh, when I first got saved, I listened to a lot of Christian rap and stuff because we listened to rap prior to that and I liked it, you know, but uh, the longer I've known the word, uh, I realized some of what I was listening to in, in that stuff, even though there wasn't all the swear words and nastiness on that end, there were still phrases like, you know, I'm sanctified, but remember I came from this background. So what are you implying? That you're going to go back to that background? See, that's carnal. That's childishness, right? And we don't want to have that. We don't fight like we used to fight. We don't fight flesh and blood. We fight in the spirit. And, it, and when you fight in the spirit, it's frustrating to your flesh. You should write that down. Okay? Write that down. When you fight in the spirit, it is frustrating to your flesh. Why? Because there's nothing about your flesh that is in cohesion or in uh, agreement with the spirit. There is nothing in your flesh that is in agreement with your spirit. Now, I know sometimes people think, well, if I just become spiritual enough, my flesh will just do, it'll just conform in its feelings to my spirit, to me, the spirit man. That is not true. It never will while you're on this planet. It will not. Now, rapture of the church takes place. Don't worry about that. Your flesh is going to change anyway, so it'll get in line. You know, so that takes place, of course. But there's one way to be sure that your flesh won't give you a problem anymore. It dies. Now, I'm talking about it really dies, you know. Um, you know, people say, well, how did that person die? I heard Doug Jones say this the other day. How did that person die? How did they, how did they uh, uh, you know, people like to say, well, they had this disease. They got in a car accident. Oh, they were just really old or, you know, all these things. No, a person dies when their soul and their spirit leave their body. That's when they die. And that's how all people die. I know medically they try and can everything. I get it. And they try to give an explanation. But the scripture says to be absent from the is to be present with the Lord. That, so who, who left? If you're your body, you're in trouble. <laughs> because to be absent from the body, do you see what I'm saying? You're not your body. Your body is a tent. You're inside the tent. Actually, in the scripture, it's like a sword and, a, and a, a, whole, a sheath, like a knife and a sheath is how it's described. The knife goes where? Inside the, you are inside your body. These are windows. You're looking out. These, it's an opening to where you're hearing on the inside. There's a level here in the spirit that's different. And your flesh is always going to think that's foolishness because spiritual things are not discerned in the flesh. That's why you cannot follow what you feel. And I don't care how good the Holy Ghost service is. You have to walk by faith and not by sight. See, when I speak the name of Jesus over a situation, I may not see much in the natural, but in the spirit, there's activity taking, taking place. And if I, in patience, dominate my flesh, what is in the spirit will show up in the natural. It will. But a lot of times what people do is they get enraptured by this around us, right? It's easy to do because we live here. We're, we're accustomed to the earth and the flow of the earth. So we have to ask ourselves, do we want the pain of discipline or the pain of disobedience? You know, do you want to stop yourself from eating a bunch of things that you shouldn't or have to deal with the consequences on the other side? Does that make sense? 
Do you want to discipline yourself in the area of prayer and devotion to the Lord and spending time with, by yourself with the Lord every day? Or do you want to try and catch up when the storm hits? Strong believers know the importance of seed. They know the importance of tending the field daily. Right? How many know it's easy to put off to tomorrow, especially with spiritual things, because they don't show up like this all the time? Right? They, they're more steady. They're, more, they're realized over time because they start in the spirit and they work their way into the natural. All right? So we got to be aware of that. So we uh, are talking about, we were in 1 John 2, verse 13. And so last week we got into what it means to be a mature believer in the body of Christ. Um, a few months back, I think it was about four or five months, eh, it might have been three or four months back, I ministered on and did an eight-part series on Sunday mornings called Sanctification. Maybe it was Wednesday nights. Do you remember? Is it Sunday mornings? Okay. Thank you. It was, it was Sunday mornings, and it's on the website. It's called Sanctification. And one of the things that the Lord said to me, I went back and looked at some of the stuff that I wrote on it because I was thinking about this. But one of the things the Lord said to us is every believer's most significant need is spiritual maturity. So a lot of times what we think is, no, I just need this problem to end. Actually, what we need is spiritual maturity. Uh, when parents, when with your kids, especially younger or even older, I just was dealing with some things with, or, or talking with Kylie, not dealing really dealing with things, but talking with Kylie. She's down in school, right? So she's out on her own. But she call, she's called me, or I've called her, and we're talking about some things that she's uh, walking through. I've already walked through them. To me, they don't seem like that big of a deal. Now, to her, it's different. Now, not, I'm not trying to be insensitive about this because everybody has to grow. I can't grow for you and you can't grow for me. Have you noticed that? It is impossible. I mean, it'd be nice if I could force all my spiritual growth over on Dale. You know? <laughs> he says, go ahead. Because he knows I can't. So he's... <laughs> But I mean, that would be nice, but or make it all someone else's responsibility when in reality, whose responsibility is it to engage in that? Me, right? So Jesus gave me a membership to the gym, but I have to show up. <laughs> Come on, how many buy memberships just because you like to pay the people but not really go? <laughs> I just like the idea of having it, you know? <laughs> You know, or buy a piece of exercise equipment and you hang your clothes on it. You know? <laughs> well, in the spirit, <laughs> in the church, we do the same thing. Well, I'm a member of a church. And the thing is, is you can even come, but unless you do, growth won't take place. Your most significant need in your life, in my life, my most significant need is spiritual development. It's spiritual maturity. If I'm walking in the love of Christ like I should, I eliminate multiple problems in my relationships instantly. I'm not saying other people act right necessarily. I'm saying I act right. Right? I do what I'm supposed to do. And when I'm right between the Lord, in other words, when I, uh, there's that confidence in me. I know I'm right before the Lord because of Jesus, but when I'm walking in obedience, how many know your confidence level, your faith level goes up? And you say, why does that happen? Because there's, your heart's not condemning you. God's not condemning you. Your own heart will condemn you because you know you did wrong. I know I did wrong. Does that make sense? So when you're in obedience and you're walking with the Lord, what you got to realize is you can rebuke the devil a bunch and be in disobedience and the devil will go, keep rebuking, I don't care. 
But once you get into spiritual maturity and you start walking in obedience and then you use your authority in the spirit, you actually are shutting doors actually to the point where you do a whole lot less rebuking because you realize I'm just in the flow and God is fighting my battles for me. You remain in a place of confidence. So my most significant need is what? It's spiritual maturity. It's spiritual maturity. And people say, yeah, pray for me, pray for me. Listen, we're praying for you every week, multiple times a week. There is, there is, there is probably not a day that goes by that prayer is not going up for this body. And for those that have asked for a prayer, we, we are praying for you whether you asked for it or not. Because it's a biblical principle that you pray for the body of Christ. Why? Because your most significant need is spiritual development. It's growing in Christ to where you get to the point in the spirit where you understand your relationship with the Lord to where you don't just show up looking for somebody to do something for you. You show up. I know maturity has happened when, I, when people start showing up, when I start showing up looking to serve rather than be They go, they go together. Jesus, come on, what did Jesus, Jesus said, I did not come to be, but to serve. Well, that, uh, you know, sometimes I just need my me time. Can I ask you something? What scripture is that? Give me the verse. I know, Google, Google, Google now. <laughs> there isn't one. <laughs> What'd you say? Yeah, second hesitations. First imaginations. <clears throat> Do you know why I get selfish? Because I don't believe that Jesus is enough. Now, that's okay if I'm young in the Lord. That's okay. What I mean by that is it's not okay in the sense of like, you know, uh, uh, like I should just continue living like that. But again, let me go back to the illustration of like with Kylie. She's going through things. She's been trained how to use her faith and she's doing it. But it can feel daunting. And I'm looking at it going, that thing ain't even a molehill. <laughs> right? Now, I shouldn't, I can't say, I'm not going to say that to her. You know what I mean? Oh, wait, I might. You know, it is my kid. She's, actually, she's the Lord's. But you understand what I'm saying. She knows me enough to know, you know. But if I can talk her into my perspective, if the Lord can talk you into his perspective, None of this stuff will seem like a big deal. Well, it's serious. You know, we, we <laughs> it's serious, yeah. In comparison to what? Now, if we're just going to attack these things naturally, you're going to be in trouble. Because now you're fighting with the world's weapons. And who's the God of this world? But if we're going to attack them spiritually... From the standpoint of Christ and maturity in him, how serious is it? How serious is it? When you really understand who you are in Christ, you'll begin to, we will begin to look at things and go, you know what? I'm coming right through this thing. And faith and maturity will say that without feeling it. It's a knowing on the inside. <clears throat> I always know when I'm in faith. I always know 100% of the time when I'm in faith and I know when I've heard from God because it always is a knowing here. It never has anything to do with up here. I've done so many things in my life based on a knowing here and panic here. Alarms are going off. Hamp, 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 hamp. Don't do that, Sean. You're stupid. You're stupid. You're going to lose everything. But in my heart, I hear the Holy Ghost saying, go ahead, do it. Walk on the water. 
And then I play this little game with me. And in my mind, I go, well, what's the worst that could happen? You die? Well, I'd be in heaven. You know, we think that would be the worst thing ever. When, when Paul said, Paul said this, he said, I'd rather leave than stay here with you people. I love Paul. I could have hung out with Paul. Paul could have been a McFarlane. You never know. You know, he says, if I leave here and go to be with the Lord, it is far better. But what do we think? Because we're not spiritually minded. That would be horrible. But see, all my family's saved. It'll be just a few minutes and they'll be with me if I was there. You know, my dad went home to be with the Lord sooner than I would have liked. But I'll get there one day when I finish my course and complete the whole race that I'm called to, or rapture, one or the other. I'm voting rapture. I want to see that. <laughs> I mean, I really do. <laughs> I think it'll be cool. <laughs> but, but I'm going to see, and he's going to look at me and go, you're already here. So there are people, I don't know why I'm on this, but it, it'll help you keep spiritually minded. There are people that have died, um, and it's been like 20 or 30 years, and then a relative, there, there's been accounts of people that have gone to heaven and saw a relative and maybe came back from the dead, and there's like a 30-year gap. And they looked at him and said, you're already here? Because there, there's no time. The scripture says a day is as a thousand and a thousand years as a day, right? So you know how actually, how long, if you do the math, do you know how long a hundred years is compared with that math? It's like a couple of hours here on earth. So in like, you know, I'm, I'm, let's say I live to be a hundred. I'm not planning on it because I have nothing to prove and I really don't want to go that long. I mean, if the Lord says, yeah, I want you to go, oh, fine, but I'm not interested. <laughs> but you say you think about these things? I pray about them. You think you're going to live down here forever? But people plan that. They don't even think about eternity. They don't even think about the end of the life at, on, on earth. Now, I don't want to get off on that because, you know, there might be, you know, sackcloth and ashes <laughs> before the service is over. Weeping and gnashing of... No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but if I live to be... Let's say I live to be 85, 86. I'm 46 right now. That's 40 years. So if, if, if the span of time was... Let's say that span of time, the first... We'll just give it a number. It's close to this. But we'll say 45 was the first 45 minutes of my life and I live to be 86, that's about 45 more, right? Or that's about 40 more, right? So I got about 40 minutes left. That's a thought, isn't it? All the teenagers are like, man, can't you preach on something else? I want to like, you know, meet my spouse someday and get married and have kids. Yeah, I thought the same thing. <clears throat> and then I did it. <laughs> I'm saying that that the more you fellowship with the Lord, not that those things are wrong, they're right, but what is most important? Eternal things. Paul was so bold. Josh and I were talking about this today a little bit. Paul was so bold, he wrote, you know, I think it's better that you don't get married. He was bold. He said, currently with the situation as it is, it's best for you married people or unmarried people to stay single and just give yourself to the Lord completely. Now, you got to understand the context of what he was talking about. There was a lot of persecution, you know, and there were things going on at that time. But ultimately, is God's, when it comes to the maximum, understanding the highest thing, what is the most important thing in our life? Everything else is a peripheral blessing compared to knowing the Lord and walking in maturity with him.
Everything is peripheral. He is the supreme. And fellowship with him is the most important thing. Now, thankfully, he doesn't just jerk all the other blessings out of it. You know what I mean? We get them, but if we get out of focus on who's first in everything, then we get messed up in our spiritual maturity and we can get messed up in our disciplines or in our focus on the goal. What is the goal? Paul said this, he said, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God, what? In Christ Jesus. And what he was saying was, I want to be just like Jesus in expression in the earth. Now, you can do that with a spouse and kids and all the things that we have, but you have to keep first things first in order to do that. And in order to do that, we have to be spiritually mature. Many times as believers, we do not realize the significant impact an unsanctified or carnal lifestyle is having on our life here on earth. As Christians, we are called to live a sanctified life, a separated life, or you might say a holy life. We must realize this truth when it comes to spiritual maturity. The Holy Spirit within us will never fight against the Word of God. If we are reading the Word of God and we sense displeasure or uncomfortableness, we must realize that is soul or carnal thinking and flesh and has nothing to do with the born-again nature. Have you ever read a scripture and thought, I don't know if I like that? I'll read some here in a minute. <laughs> but see, if I, was a, if, I, if I was a horrible pastor, I wouldn't read those verses to you. I would placate to immaturity, hoping you won't be offended and you stay. Because you might not give in the offering anymore. See, I have a problem with that. Because I know I have to stand before the Lord. So I'd rather dwindle the church down to one person, my wife. She has to come. <laughs> she said, until death do us part. So... <laughs> I would rather present maturity in front of us than neglect and step away from something that confronts our flesh. Even if it offends our lifestyles and our thoughts about what that could be or should be. Because truth does what? It sets free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall what? Make you free. So would I rather have the, the uh, pain of, dis, of discipleship or discipline or the pain of punishment? Would I rather have the pain that is associated with, with uh, living a life that is, puts my flesh under? Or would I rather be able to do whatever I want and hope that God, the, you know, kind of slot machine Jesus? You know what I mean by that? that, that in other words, what that means is I throw prayers up to the Lord, hoping he'll do what I want while I ignore what he says. And the scripture actually says in Proverbs that a person who prays but ignores the word, the prayer is an abomination. Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord. I love that because God is genuine. He's real. He's truth. What do you mean? He's solid. I can jump onto his word, crucify my flesh, land on that word, and I know that in the midst of a storm, what's not going to change? Him. What I'm standing on. Listen, I'm guaranteed storms. So I might as well just build on something that can handle them. You know, in Florida and places like that, people that build nice houses on the beach and stuff like that, they actually build their insurance for their house into their house. What does that mean? Because insurance companies won't cover them because storms are guaranteed to come to that place, right? But most of the time, what is it? It's beachfront property that's beautiful, and you can sit, you know, all the pictures you see sometimes on Facebook or Instabook or whatever, all those things that are some tropical place, they also have terrible storms. And since they can't be insured, what do you do? You build your house for a storm. You don't leave the beautiful spot. You just build for when the enemy shows up. So what do you put in? Hurricane-proof windows. Well, it's the same in the spirit. 
This is hurricane proof. It's been proven. It's already been tested and tried. You don't even have to try it or test it. Jesus did. It's a done work. It's a settled thing. So discipleship is very this way. Maturity in Christ realizes the scripture is right no matter what kind of feelings or perceptions I have about it. Well, in the spirit, I just don't think that's, that's right. Well, you're wrong if it violates the word. And that's why one of the main reasons we have the written word. Right? So this... Spiritual perceptions do not trump the written word. Well, I just feel like in the spirit that I'm supposed to do this. What does the word say? Now, if it doesn't apply to something that the word doesn't address, like if there's not something specifically written in the word concerning what you're looking at or praying about or what somebody may be sharing with you, then you know you have to go by the leading of the Holy Spirit in that area, right? But he will never lead you, the Lord will never lead you in violation of this. If you are being led in violation, what did you say, why do you have to say this? Because there are ministers out there that's, that are teaching things and saying they're doing things by the Spirit and they totally violate this. Amen. And we need to be aware of that in our own lives. As believers that are led by the Holy Spirit... If we come to conclusions about things in our lives that contradict the scriptures, we did not hear from the Holy Spirit. Amen? The scriptures are correct, and I am wrong. Do you know this scripture says, it talks about, there's a passage of scripture when Jesus is talking about the stone, and he says, there's two things he says. He says, you can fall on the stone and be broken, or the stone can fall on you and you'll be crushed to powder. You say, what is that? That's the pain of discipline versus the pain of disobedience. I would rather fall and be broken on Christ then have the stone fall on me and be crushed to powder. Isn't that an interesting truth? I mean, a reality, but what a great thought, right? The, the beauty of it is this, I get to choose. It's not God in heaven going, mm, do I like Heather today? I haven't decided yet. He loves unconditionally. And I step back and go, am I going to love him back? And then the Lord says, whatever you choose, I will make permanent in your life. And then he says this, but I'm going to be extremely merciful and dogged in winning you over before eternity comes. It's beautiful. So we get to choose, okay, am I going to believe what you said, Lord? Or am I going to go with the common knowledge of, of, or the deception that's roaming the earth about how God is and what he is? If God is love, then why do so many bad things happen? I always want to ask people like that. Have you done all good in your life? See, to me, it's arrogance on a level that, that and they can't see it. Do you realize asking that question, you're judging God? So what does that person think? That they are God. Now, they don't even realize it. I get that. A lot of it's ignorant. Thank God it's ignorant. Because if it was heartfelt, that's how Satan got in the position he's in. Right? So thank God it's ignorant. But you understand what I'm saying. We have to grow and develop in these things. We have to understand truth. In order to understand truth, there has to be a sacrifice of something and guess who's called to die? You say, really? You're, I'm called to, we're called to die? Yeah, because and it's, it's not an unreasonable request on God's part because he's already died. It would be unreasonable if he didn't die for me. Except he did what? He died for It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So we see then what? Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 28 says this. The prophet 
who has a dream, let him tell a dream. And he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, says the Lord? Verse 29, is not my word like a what? Like a fire, says the Lord. And like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Mature believers embrace the fire knowing that new growth will come forth as the dead things are removed. Mature believers will embrace the work of the hammer, knowing that the hardness in our souls is being demolished so that the tenderness and maturity that takes, for the tenderness and maturity that takes place in our lives. Lord, drive out those hard areas of my life, beat them out with the hammer of the word so that I can be what? Sensitive to you. So when you read scriptures like uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 13, I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you little children because you have known the father. And then we look at what a father is, and we talked about this last week. A father is just a spiritually mature person. And a spiritually mature person, you say fathers, we say fathers. But in the, in the, in the Jewish culture and the way they thought, if you said father, you meant family. So really what it's saying is the mature ones, those that are, the word is like a presbyter. Have you ever heard that word before? A presbyter is like a minister or an elder, a minister, someone who's mature. They're older in the Lord. And so when we read scriptures like Titus chapter two, verse one through six, and I'm going to read it in the Amplified. I'm not going to read it in any other translation because the Amplified does what it says. It amplifies. But as for you, teach what is fitting and becoming to sound wholesome doctrine, the character and right living that identify true Christians. Urge the older men, these are fathers, to be temperate, venerable, serious, sensible, self-controlled, and sound in the faith, in love, and in steadfastness in the patience of Christ. What does a mature believer look like? They look like temperate people that are venerable and serious. They're sensible and self-controlled. How many have made a decision outside of sensible? How many have made a decision with words or things, and I'll raise my hand too, outside of self-controlled? What did I act like then? Thank you. <laughs> the spirit of what? Stupid. Uh, to put it in the words that we're looking at here in Scripture, if I acted outside of self-control, I acted outside of maturity. If I acted outside of temperate and venerable, serious and sensible, that doesn't mean we can't joke. That's not what that's talking about. If I acted outside of being sound in the faith, sound in love, sound in steadfastness and patience, how did I act? I acted what? You can say it about me. I acted immature, right? I didn't act mature, which means I wasn't functioning at a mature level, which means what? I have opened the door to who in my life? The enemy. Right? What is, what is drunk driving? It's a lack of sense. It's a lack of self-control, right? It's not being sound. It's not being sound in the faith, in love. Are there consequences to drunk driving? Oh, man, you, you, say, you say, do you know about these things? Well, I never did it, <laughs> to be honest. Now, I did drive high, which might as well have been the same thing, right? In that sense, to a degree. But I had friends that uh, when I first got saved, they did not get saved with me. It took them years later. But they're in now. And, and, and they would drink every, every, almost every night, or definitely on the weekends. And I had a friend tell me one time, we were talking about this, and this was after he got saved. He would wake up at 3 and 4 in the morning in somebody's front yard. His car, he just drove off the road, passed out. Now, thankfully, he didn't hit the house. Now, because I know his mom, she was praying. I know her. Anyway... She, he didn't hit anything. He didn't do any of that. But what is that not? That's not sensible. Right? That's not sound. 
Now, that's an extreme example. Okay, let's take it into the home. Let's take it into relationships. Have you ever spoken, allowed your tongue to go out in a non-sensible way? And what did it cause? The power of life and... And you can actually let go of God's sense and begin to speak out of the flesh and the enemy actually will anoint you to speak. In fact, when you get in a good argument with somebody, you'll remember things that you forgot that were 30 years ago. It's supernatural, but it isn't the Holy Ghost. People think I'm under inspiration. Yeah, but the wrong kind. You're definitely hearing in the spirit, but it's an evil spirit. Because God doesn't remember your sins, and he doesn't remember anybody else's, especially if they're under the blood, right? But you can be anointed, and then what have I done then? I've stepped out of maturity into immaturity. Or I could say it to you like this. I no longer, as we've been reading in 1 John 2, I no longer am walking in the spirit. I'm now walking in the what? Flesh. You know what a greater miracle for a lot of charismatics would be isn't just a physical healing. It would be a healing of words. A walking in soundness, sensibility, self-control, sound in the faith, sound in love, and in steadfastness or patience. If you and I would just develop our patience just a little bit more, we would raise even more, we would cause even more problems for the enemy and his kingdom and his operation. Because we wouldn't get antsy. We wouldn't get, come on, the Lord is going to bring the church back to these things, especially the charismatic church. We wouldn't get, oh, I got to go over and I got to do that. And we'd be, stay planted where we're supposed to be and grow and develop spiritually like we're supposed to. Do you know storms help plants get stronger? Why? There's tension that comes, and what does that plant have to do? Down. It's got to dig deep, right? Do you like looking at big, I mean, trees that have been around for a long time, and they are, you, the root system's like, you can find roots coming up out of the ground places, but that's, that tree, let's say it's been there 40, 50, 60 years, right? It's thick, it, it, it has green leaves every year. It stays through. What has it done? Its roots have gone deep so it can survive every storm. See, when you really under, when we really get vision into spiritual maturity and the eyes of our understanding begin to be opened to the reality of what these words mean concerning spiritual maturity, we will embrace the grind. Because we'll go, ooh, people will go, well, how's that situation that you're dealing with? I know you were believing God for something, and da-da-da-da, whether it's physical, whether it's financial, whether it's in your soul area, your mind, your emotions, whether it's in a marriage or with your children or whatever it is, and people will go, how's that situation? Has it changed yet? And you'll hear this. People say, well, no, not yet. And then the other believer will go, oh, I'm so sorry. But if we were really spiritual, we'd go, well, glory to God. The devil's going to eat it hard on this one, isn't he? Because the scripture says, the, go over to Romans chapter 5. We'll end here. I know I didn't do any new verses. It doesn't matter. This is what you needed. All right. I just need preaching material for the next time. <laughs> Are you, have you gotten anything? Oh, man, I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm happy I came. I'm learning a lot right now. I'm so thankful for what comes out because you put stuff in and you want, man, what's going to come out? I'm addicted to the word. You got to understand. I'm a fiend. I got to have the word. You know, if I don't have enough word, you know, I start getting the shakes. You know what I mean? I got to get some more word. I got to. Jesus is my dealer. <laughs> right? He knows what I need. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, verse 1, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. 
Through whom also we have access by what? Faith. We better understand faith. Because it is our what? Access. Watch this. Into this grace in which we what? In which we wander in and out of. Oh, no, no. We stand there. And verse 3, not only that, but we also glory in Feel sorry for each other in what some people call comfort is nothing to do with biblical comfort in the church. Well, it's really hard. Yeah, I know. I hear you. I know. I know. There are tough situations. How many know that nobody knows better than Jesus? The Bible says that he was tempted in every point as we are, yet without sin. Which means anything you and I are facing, he's already walked through. Without sin. So in knowing this, that tribulation produces, how do we receive? It's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises. So when something is taking longer than you think it should, what should I really be doing? Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. My, if you could see, I love what Mike said that one, one Sunday. If you could see me in the spirit, muy guapo. It, I'm, I, I don't look like much out here, but I don't need to. In the spirit, there's a resurrection on the inside of me. I have been born of divine seed. I have already been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. I've already passed from death unto life. It's already done. And so when something takes longer than what I think it should, what do I need to do? Focus. Maturity does what? It focuses on what I'm gaining. Not imagining what I'm, I've lost. Well, you know, the, uh, the financial climate, if it doesn't turn around, the experts are saying this. Ooh, glory to God, I'm in a patience place. And it doesn't matter what kind of currency the world, the Luciferian world leaders come up with. It doesn't matter. You say, why are you rocking back and forth? Because I'm a tree planted. And the wind's blowing. And I may be moving back and forth here. But underneath me, what? The roots are down. So it doesn't matter what kind of financial thing they come up with. God will put his, uh, his angels to work in the middle of that financial plan and bring what uh, system that they come up with and bring to me every need that I have. I don't need to fight the world. I don't need to. I don't need to because I'm not in the I'm I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. Amen. I'm in a different financial system. I'm on a different banking system. You say what? I'm in the blessing of the Lord. The scripture says every favor and earthly blessing comes to me in abundance. If I'm a giver, I'm a giver. Guess what's coming to me? Every favor. An earthly, earthly, earthly blessing comes to me in abundance. Notice that verse doesn't say unless they come up with cryptocurrency or Apple Pay. Or this scripture works as long as China doesn't take over the whole world. It's not what it says. But you know what natural thinking does? You know what immature thinking does? Do you know what lack of spiritual light thinking does? It goes in the church. It'll go, I just don't know what we're going to do. These are fearful times. When the scripture says over 365 times, do not be. You ever, you ever read through? I got to end, but I'm going to end with this. Second ending. It's 8.06. We're good. 
Do you ever read in Timothy where it talks about what's going to take place right before Christ returns? What's going to multiply? And, it, and Paul, by the Holy Spirit, lists all these bad things. You ever read where it talks about the rapture of the church? You know, all of that stuff, right? Especially in Thessalonians, those areas. And they, they label off all these bad things that are happening. You know what Paul says at, that, at the end of those things by the Holy Spirit? He says, comfort each other with these words. And he says, all the more, as you see the day approaching, gather together. He doesn't say, when you see these things, buy a bunker. <laughs> Become a prepper for the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> you say, really? That's what it says. And us as a, here in America, and what, we haven't experienced hardly anything compared to what the early church did or ch the church in other parts of the world. Hardly anything. Oh, no, they took me off Twitter. They Facebook. They put me in Facebook jail. Lose your joy for six weeks because you're in Facebook jail. They just give you more time to reload for when they unlock you. Pray in the Spirit. Lord, give me revelation. I'm ready for them when they unlock me. <laughs> and then get on there, wham, hit them again. With the love of Jesus. <laughs> and the truth of the word. Maturity embraces discipline. And rejects disobedience. Maturity will go, tell me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. Don't just tickle or itch my ears. I don't want to be patty caked in, in defeat and destruction. I want to be disciplined into victory. I want to have success. The Lord's success. Not the world's definition of success. The Bible's definition of success. Which the ultimate success in being born again in the new covenant, you know what it is? Maturity in Christ. It isn't cars, it isn't houses, it isn't a certain amount of money, it isn't so many miracles, it isn't any of that. It's maturity in Christ, winning souls into the kingdom, discipling people. And we have the opportunity. People say, well, I'm not called to do what you're called to do. No, you're not called to stand behind a pulpit, but you're called to do it all wherever you're at. Win people to the Lord, disciple people. Be an example. Be mature, right? Amen? Well, that seems impossible. Well, it's a good thing we serve the God of the impossible. <laughs> With God, there's nothing impossible, right? Amen? Father, we thank you for tonight and for your word. Lord, we purpose to be doers of your word, not hearers only. And Lord, we, give you, we will give you and continue to give you all the praise, honor, and glory for all success in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Bless you guys. Have a good night. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.